That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Welcome to Of the Eldest Gods, where we discuss Rick Riordan's role as our godly parent. I'm Ray from Cabin 12. And I'm Charlie from Cabin 13. And I'm Haley from Cabin 6. Whoa! Hi! Haley's back for more queer stuff. Hi, guys! (laughs) Gay shit! Gay shit! Gay shit! Gay shit! (laughs) We can't can't chant with the lag. I wish we could. Oh, it's gonna be so fun to edit that. It's I fine. wanted to join in, but I was like, we cannot. <laughs> it would have been That's even fair. better, though. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Haley, you may not have read the books, but you're always here to talk about classics and gay stuff. I, I am for sure always here to talk about specifically gay stuff in classics. Uh, I yes, love me. I love best. me some queer ass history. Yes, yes, yes. What are we talking about this week? Today, what is it? This week, we are talking about lesbian poets. One specific lesbian poet, Sappho. The words lesbian, the lesbian poet, the lesbian poet. <laughs> Many Sappho people have of asked. Lesbos. Yeah, the met- quote unquote first lesbian, the original. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, there's a lot of academic debate going back centuries about whether or not Sappho was a lesbian. And, you know, she was factually, literally, politically a lesbian. Yes. From the, like, that's where, that's where the word comes from. And sapphic, just icon, queen, killing it, love it. Uh, but yeah, we're, Wonderful. so yeah, we're gonna talk about her surviving works, and then I'm going to info dump a whole lot about you those surviving works. I'm so excited I, for this shit. Yeah, me too. Like, especially because I'm not good at reading <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> like, it's, the trick is skimming. I would much rather be info dumped too. <laughs> yeah. It's, that is it's always fun when Haley just gets to talk forever. <laughs> I've refilled my water in preparation. Good. I had to uh, look up which cabin you're from. <laughs> I was like, oh, cabin six. I'm going to Google that real quick. It's the nerd and now I'm one. like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah nerd house. Nerd. <laughs> if you can't tell by my face and my voice and the everything about me. <laughs> you have the correct yeah. vibes. It's very good. Thank you. Thank you. That, that means a lot. <laughs> so uh let's i guess dive into it unless yeah you have, where do like, we want to start here do we want to do like historical context or like um, the poems i have you... no ideas for this honestly how... well okay how about uh give me tell me what you guys know about sappho just so far uh i started reading one article <laughs> and so i i know she is hashtag iconic um <laughs> her poetry is very, uh, very intimate. Uh, it Mm. feels, I don't know, it feels very nice because it is, like, very lesbian next door, you know? Indeed. (laughs) It feels very relatable in a way that, yeah, it, 
for poetry that is like thousands and thousands of years old, it does not feel inaccessible. Yeah, it's, for sure. Yeah. I um, think, uh, let me see if I can find the uh, fragment that I know the best from the list that you sent. P.S. Thank you. Because mm. um, <laughs> they have a slightly different translation here from what I'm used to. But mm. let's see. Alright, so the translation here is different, but like the one I'm used to is... Sweet mother, I cannot weave. Slender Aphrodite has overcome me with longing for a girl. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, oh, useless lesbian vibes right there. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Like, sorry, mom, I can't function. I'm too gay. That's the one that I've seen on Tumblr because mm-hmm. everybody's like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sappho's hashtag too gay to function. She's yes. the original. Yeah. Deadass. <laughs> she, is, she is the original lesbian in every possible sense of the term. I love but it yeah, so much. It's kind of friggin' wild that she is so well known pretty much just by reputation, given how mm-hmm. few of her works we have left. Because I guess they got burned fucking twice. Like long story. Holy crap. It's a, <laughs> yeah, a, I'm excited to get into it. Mm-hmm. It's, and also a little depressed. <laughs> it's a, it's not and, as bad yeah. as you're thinking. Uh um, anyways, uh the yeah, that's all I got. I don't actually know anything. Okay. <laughs> but, so we know ancient Greek gay poet can't function. Um yep. well I watched the OSP video because that's that's my whole personality on this podcast is that I watch a lot of OSP. <laughs> um so and they mentioned that like she's uh like a lyric poet, which is mm-hmm. like we don't have a lot from that time period. I wanna say she's like the is she the only one or like the no. most well known of that? She's one of the most well known, but lyric poetry mm-hmm. is uh poetry that's meant to be sung, uh mm-hmm. as opposed to recited. Yeah. And that was like kind of the main way that that was done in ancient Greece because like if you've got limited access to paper or anything to write on I uh, then yeah. you don't write a whole lot down unless like it's mm-hmm. like you really need to remember it so like tax records mostly um, mm. but if you want to remember something it's a lot easier to remember it as a song because like you can yeah. you can kind of fit the words to the rhythm and it's just easier for your brain to process so like the uh Iliad and the Odyssey would have been the same thing they would have been sung originally yeah right. but those were like epic poetry and this those were like, like in- yeah she does more uh like she's most well known for her love poetry but she also did a lot of hymns I uh, like ritual type stuff, uh, some stuff about family, uh, mm. and also some elegies. Uh, so pretty, uh, and like also a lot of uh, like quotes, just not poetic quotes, just clever sayings that are remembered. Mm. So, in a modern context, would we call these just songs or? Is we that would not sent- quite. I mean, it's in a modern context. Yeah, pretty much. Like it's what. What's the difference between a poem that you sing and a song with words that rhyme? <laughs> right. That you sing. So yeah, <laughs> we would essentially call these songs, but it was their function kind of differed uh, just mm-hmm. because it was so much more of an event. Like any kind mm-hmm. of performance, any like they didn't have. A, you know, iPhones or anything, they couldn't just put in their headphones and hear whatever song they wanted whenever they wanted to hear it. So if someone was going to tell you a big, long story like the Iliad or the Odyssey, if someone was going to sing you a like a popular tune or anything, they it was going to be a big 
deal. I always think it's very cool how oral traditions affect how stories are told or mm. how poetry is recited. I don't I don't know, it's very cool. It is. I uh, so I've taken a lot of notes uh cuz I don't really <laughs> like I don't ultimately know all that much about Sappho, uh, so I ended up doing a lot of research, but that's fun to me because I am who I am. Um, so I've kind of got things organized uh, as like early sources and records, like how we know what we know so far, what we know so far, uh, how her art, like her artistic legacy, um, and like her style that she wrote in, uh, a couple examinations of her surviving works. And uh, ulti- and then finally a discussion about her sexuality. So, thanks for doing all the work for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, this is fun to me. <laughs> I almost miss school. Almost. Uh, so, in terms of how we know what we know, uh, the body of knowledge regarding Sappho's life and her work and who she was in general. Um, Just the whole corpus of knowledge that we have is known as a testimonia. Um, And it's just ancient, like there's a lot of testimonia for a lot of different figures. Like we have testimonia for Homer, we have testimonia for Plato. And it's basically just everything that has been passed down one way or another it doesn't matter how that we still have. So some of it, like some of it might be accurate. Some of it might have been garbled over time. None of the testimonia that we have of uh, Sappho is contemporary to her. So none of it really survives or very little of it, at least survives from people who would have known her in her life in like the fucking, what was it? Sixth century BCE. So dang. Yeah. Yeah. Sixth and seventh century, like right on that, right on that cusp. Um, and it's kind of, no one's really sure exactly when she was born. Some sources say she was famous by the year uh, 600. Like, it, so it's it's difficult to say, but ultimately the main sources of her work uh, are a trash pit in Egypt um, <laughs> and a few surviving encyclopedias. So like her works would have originally been written down either in her lifetime or shortly after uh, on the Isle of Lesbos in the Aeolian dialect, which was like a very specific form of Greece that they spoke there. Um, okay. And it would have been written down as like a score for performers, like sheet music, essentially. Um, around the fifth century, so a hundred odd years after her death, uh, Athenian scholars started publishing collections of lesbian lyric poetry because there were like, Lesbos was like the poetry place. Like, mm. <laughs> like there's a lot of figures that are associated with uh, like their whole tradition. I want to say like or like the myth of Orpheus is involved in all of that. Yeah. Orphism? Like Orphism? Like I like I it's... just the whole myth. Okay. I mean, there's just like a like an interesting like branch of Greek like mythology that's like very centered on Orpheus that I know. Oh. It's yeah. Yeah, let me see if I can find the exact was like a, I think it's in the artistic legacy section. You were talking about uh, where we find them mostly. I I did start reading the article about those most recent ones that they found uh, mm-hmm. in a mummy's wrappings. 
It's yeah. there's a lot of That's, controversy. Ooh. There's so much oh, controversy. Boy. <laughs> oh my god, the provenance of that fragment is a mess. We'll get into it. <laughs> Uh, I just wish I fucking find this one line. God, like, would, wouldn't you want to be buried with, like, some gay poetry, though? Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, uh, Lesbos was associated with poetry and music in general through the mythical Orpheus, Orion, a uh, 7th century poet, uh, Trapander, mm. who's considered the father of Greek music. So, like, there is a long-standing literary tradition that she was, like, that predated her, that she was ultimately a part of so after like so her works survived in these athenian uh collections along with several others uh, i do think that it's funny that you can talk about collections of lesbian poetry and that can have a very different meaning depending on what you're talking well, about she was partly part of the aristocracy so the whole time i'm reading like the wikipedia page it keeps me making references to the lesbian aristocracy and i'm just sitting here <laughs> oh god, god. Like, wait like, i want to be lesbian be an aristocracy <laughs> god i want i want this like i want a story of like this world where like the lesbian aristocracy exists just, just yeah yeah <laughs> i want to see these lesbian aristocrats i need it no like i think it would be great like you could make it about sappho because she apparently had like a whole group of uh like a lot of her work is supposed to have been performed for small intimate groups of friends um mm. and like that context kind of colors friends? how they're read friends or friends you never know um i love that I like know. that has such vibes like just with- chilling with the ladies and like <laughs> girls i wrote another one ooh babe it's, lay it's- it on us <laughs> When you have a specific Discord group that you can spend, like, smutty fanfiction to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, some things some things transcend time and technology the intimacy. and culture. Just, yeah, yeah, it truly. I, just, I, I wonder if, like, the, the Greek lesbians were also, like, besties with their exes, too. Like, oh, I want to sure. know how many of them in that group were, like, hmm. Yeah. I still love you, Sappho. Mm. <laughs> it's okay, girl. It's okay. I wish you every happiness. Um, <laughs> so you've got these collections dating from the 5th century that were uh, put together in Athens. By the 3rd century BCE, so like 200 years after that, her work starts being compiled uh, in the Library of Alexandria by Alexandrian scholars. Mm-hmm. So that, like, that, those works were compiled into either 8 or 9 books. There's theories about a ninth there but not really any proof that it would have ever existed um Mm -hmm. but those were circulated for a very long time um and so like what we have mostly survived from those uh papyrus records um and a lot of those papyrus records were found in the i'm gonna try to get this right (laughs) oxer oh O-X-Y-R-H-Y-N-C-H-U-S papyri, um, which is a bunch of manuscripts that were discovered in an ancient trash pit, which is archaeologically (laughs) very normal. A lot of what we know about prehistory comes from trash pits. I love that. Uh, I love people. Just, it's like... That maybe I don't know. I don't know. I loved watching you squint at that. <laughs> like, so close. <laughs> I'm just like I'm old, and I'm just like I can't. I just and there's a red <laughs> line under it because yeah. according to Microsoft Word, it's wrong. Oh, of course. Three letters. 
It is. No. Oh my goodness. I Just typed, uh, unrelated, I wrote the word jalapeno in a tweet recently, and I put the accent on the N, and uh, it was like, no, this is wrong. And I was like, it, it's literally not. That is the correct way to spell that word with an accent. Uh, I don't know what you're doing. accent marks. <laughs> English hates accent marks. I'm telling you, it's a nightmare. And also, I hate the letter X. Can we talk about this for a second? I hate the letter X yeah. so much because anytime we're trying to transliterate any other language into the English alphabet, we just, X is just what we throw in when we don't know what else to do. So anytime you read oh, something that's like supposed that to be sense. Mandarin Chinese and there's an X in there, you never... Is it a sha or is it is it a cha? Is it it could be anything. It doesn't fucking matter. It's an X. Just God, or we could I hate try. That no. So much. Anyway, Ugh. so there's a bunch of these uh, pa- fragments of papyrus in this trash heap where they've found a lot of works from ancient scholars and philosophers. Like a lot of surviving works that we know of were found in this trash heap in the early 20th century, and they're like the size of cornflakes. So what you've got is a bunch of archaeologists out in the desert with these dry bits of paper sifting through the sand and trying to put them together like paper that they've dug out of a sh- uh, out of like a shredder. Like that's basically <laughs> oh goodness. that's where a lot of her stuff comes from. Um, oh and God. finally, you've got uh, the Suda, which is a 10th century Byzantine encyclopedic lexicon that was written in Greek. It's got like 30,000 entries, just not about Sappho, just in general mm. um, about the ancient world uh a lot of those like the sources that it drew from have since been lost so it's a very valuable record um so that's where any of her work that we have those are kind of the main places that we can find it i i was so sad to see that even the longest poem has missing text like right in the middle you know (laughs) Yep. It's it's yeah, a no, real shame that that's there the is situation exactly, we're in. There is exactly one poem that's considered complete. Right. There's a few that are almost complete, but the only Ode to Aphrodite is the only one that's that we have all the way in its entirety. Mm. Um but yeah, she wrote like 10,000 lines cumulatively like it's believed in about 640 remain at this point and they're mostly jumbled up um, yeah i know but it compared because... to a lot of other work well here's the well, thing that's... compared to a lot of other poets of the time who were equally famous her work survived for way longer and we have a lot more of it than we do of a lot of those guys because she was just such an interesting figure so hmm. it's but it is like it does drive everyone completely insane that they can yeah like i I want the rest of the sweet mother i can't weave poem god damn yeah yeah the the (laughs) thing is that what we have is so enticing that you're like "Mm, i i want it Mm -hmm. yeah like but why can't i (laughs) so here's what we are pretty sure about regarding Sappho. Lived in the late 7th, early 6th century BCE on the Isle of Lesbos. Yes, that's where the word lesbian comes from. She had at least three known brothers, possibly one daughter um, who's mentioned mm. in a couple of poems. Some There's mm-hmm. some controversy as to like, was this just a younger lover because she uses a word that can mean child or can mean younger lover, essentially. Um, mm. But the context seems to suggest a daughter. Uh, and according to Ovid, who wrote like a book of histories of his like, 
famous, you know, artists and poets and what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, her father died when she was seven. Did her father actually die when he when she was seven? Is Ovid full of shit? The world will Ovid never know. Ovid is frequently full of shit. So. Exactly. So yeah. He's he just makes stuff up, but that also seems like a weird detail to make up, right? Like right. it's way too, it's just too normal. Like most of the shit he makes up is just <laughs> more insane. Could go either way, right? Uh, she was almost certainly from an aristocratic family, the aristocracy of les uh, of uh, lesbians, if you will. Um, <laughs> this is a fun fact. She may or may not have been married to a man named Kirkylus of Andros. However, the prevailing theory is that that this uh, name was made up by a comic poet at some point uh, after that, because Kirkylus derives from Kirkos, which means penis, uh, and isn't a name anywhere else. There's no other names based on that word. Um, so, and, and also he's from Andros, which yeah, means I was man. About to say, so her, like, yeah, this is basically like, man. Yeah, Dick pe- from yeah. Man Islands. Right. I have it. Uh, yeah, I have a penis guy from Man Island, but yeah, basically, just it's, it's like yeah. me at a family reunion. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, who are you dating? <laughs> Oh, interesting. Use that next time. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yes, his name yeah, is- Yeah, I think I do remember having heard that before. It's very I, funny. Yeah, when I <laughs> My read- favorite fun fact. When I got to it, I was like, oh, I feel like I have read this. But oh, mm. it's so fun getting the full etymology. Um, <laughs> so that's that's fun. Um, there's also like an old Athenian- theatrical tradition because like as a historical figure Sappho was incredibly interesting in the ancient world um for better or worse and there are a lot of plays based on her most of which haven't survived infuriatingly but one of the ones that has uh she falls in love with this mythical boatman named Phaon who apparently was like an old ugly dude who gives Aphrodite a ride uh to Turkey um (laughs) like when she's described as a yeah just well it was that was kind of the place to be back then there was a lot of trade and gold around there um so she disguises herself as a crone and he does this good deed and doesn't take her money and she's like here's a pot of lotion that'll make you hot and then Sappho (laughs) falls in love with him and then he gets too used to being hot and i rejects her and then she jumps off a cliff and dies Okay, I yeah. I do remember people talking about the cliff jumping, uh, that specific cliff and how you jump off it. Yeah, there's like a whole <laughs> myth surrounding that cliff, apparently, of like, if, you, if you've been unlucky in love and you jump from this cliff, it'll either break your love curse or you'll die. One of the two take right, your chances. Right, and either way, right. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's not, there, there's basically no evidence to support any of that or where it well, would have come from. It so. doesn't really sound like well, I mean, something like, that happened. <laughs> well, like, the, just there, it, there's no evidence to support that, like, this would have come from any kind of, um, like, right. like uh, it's more like, yeah. this is fun, a fun story. Yeah, like, there was one playwright who was 
somewhat after her time and everyone just kind of ran with it um Mm -hmm. and like the i think the last thing that we really know about her uh is on the parian chronicle which is this slab of marble that has greek like a greek chronology of their history covering the years from like 1582 bce to 299 uh and it mentions that she was exiled from lesbos to sicily around 600 bce presumably because her family was involved in some political stuff. And there was actually Mm. another uh, contemporary lesbian poet um, who, same thing, had to leave the island because of political nonsense. Um, so that's that's kind of all we know, know, uh, right. or are pretty sure about. God, I, I, I'm I now wanting, like, a historical drama about Sappho, just based off of what little we know about her. Can, can it would be awesome. Make that? I, I'm requesting It would be it. very cute to, like... Uh, kind of do offshoots about like weird stories about her and then be like, but actually that didn't happen. Actually, she didn't weird marry this weird boat guy. <laughs> <laughs> It just have a very disclaimer, fun to write. like at, at, like at the beginning of the show, like not none of this is actually factual. We're just having fun here. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, it's really, you could, there's a lot of leeway here. You can, yeah, you've got a lot of gaps to fill in. Um, So in terms of like how she's remembered, like in the historical record, I... She was very highly revered uh, by later Greek poets. Um, Like, they used to call Homer just the poet. Like, if someone said the poet, you know, it's like Shakespeare calling him the bard. She was called the poetess. That was... Oh! Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there were other female poets, and there were other female poets contemporary to her who got a certain level of fame. No one else gets called the poetess. Mm-hmm. Isn't she um, also called the the Tenth Muse? Yeah, she was also called the Tenth Muse. Just some really, really dope titles. Um, there's it. also a form of Aeolic meter, which is the language that she wrote in, um, and like the specific style of poetry, it like on Lesbos, uh, mm. that today is remembered as the Sapphic stanza. Uh, yeah. She didn't invent <laughs> it, but for a lot of history, people thought that she did. Uh, Mm. But it's basically three identical uh, long lines followed by a fourth shorter line. Um, And there's kind of like two forms. I won't get into the whole thing. Uh, She was also known as one of the nine lyric poets uh, who were considered worthy of uh, intensive study by the Alexandrian scholars. Mm. Along with (laughs) Alcaeus, who was the other dude from uh, Lesbos who got exiled to Sicily for political reasons. Uh, and Alcaeus was, like, I think the only mention that we have of Sappho that would have come from a contemporary, because uh, they were both they were both definitely part of the aristocracy. They both hung around the capital of Lesbos a lot, if not lived there. Uh, so they would have had a lot of opportunities to associate with each other, especially at uh, this big annual festival uh, where it was like their 4th of July, essentially. Uh, Sappho performed publicly at this festival many times um, with female choirs. And Alcaeus's mm-hmm. references to Sappho um, are almost 
he almost compares like he compares her to divinity um he calls her like holy or pure or uh honey smiling sappho Um, i love that so much yeah there are a lot of theories that these two were lovers but it's it's one of those things of like this is a medieval scholar uh just being like they interacted once ever Clearly, they were banging. Um, maybe they were um, just bros. Yeah, maybe know. they were just bros, bro. You don't my, know. My headcanon about real-life historical figures is now that they are well, LWLW MLM solidarity. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man, now I want to research Elkias more and see, see if there's any <laughs> theories about homosexuality? <laughs> Question mark. Uh, but yeah, he apparently owed um, some inspiration uh, to her performances, and uh, it's just that's just a cool, fun thing. That's uh, so sweet. Yeah. I love to imagine them hanging out. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's because, like, you know, you learn about ancient Greek history in, like, you know, the broad sweeps that you get in a public school education. Mm. And it's very much like, oh, no, men and women never, ever interacted unless they were actively married or, like, related in some way. And mm. this seems to suggest that, no, they could have had artistic partnerships and respected each other on that level. Ooh. You know, like normal fucking people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the point, like, from later sources, uh, Plato cites her, Socrates... I uh, cites her in uh, one of his dialogues on love, um, and like mm. they echo the uh, like the way that she would have described physical, like the physical effects of desire. Um, she was a popular character in a lot of ancient Athenian plays. Um, at least six separate comedies called Sappho existed at one point. <laughs> um, from yeah, from the fourth century BCE, there's. Uh, a lot of that stuff about jumping from the cliff. I, I like that when I make headcanons about Sappho, I'm just adding to a long <laughs> a long line of people making up headcanons about Sappho. No, like a lot of what confuses study of her work is that some people would write in her style, some people would write mm. homages to her in her style. Basically fan fiction, like imagining, <laughs> like writing as Sappho in oh such and such situation. So, but then like they'll do a really good job and then it, like <laughs> even that will be a fragment, so they're not sure, is this really oh, Sappho man. or is this someone who's just a big fan? Yeah, it's it's incredibly complicated. I uh, possibly her biggest fanboy of history might have been Catalyst, um, who was uh, the yeah he like established the themes and meters of Sappho's poetry as part of Latin literature, um, and mm. he adopted the Sapphic stanza uh, and like wrote love poems about his own lover, comparing her to Sappho. Uh, and like writing in Sappho's style or even basing poems like kind of sh- as homages to her poems, but like directed to his lover. Um, mm. So big old fanboy. <laughs> I love that. I love that too. Like, like I love a lesbian being recognized for, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> lesbian at, as I, yes. It- Yes, the answer is yes. W L W. Okay, a sapphic woman, if you will. Yes, a sapphic woman. 
I love love between women not being like gated the way that it sort of is in yeah. our society, the way that like people don't really think of the crossover between queer love and straight love as much these days, I feel like. Mm, right. And just the fact that this this dude, a thousand years after her death, possibly more, was reading her poetry, of which he would have had a lot more access to than we do, and being like, mm-hmm. same, babe, same mood. Yeah, I love that. So good. Yeah. Mm. Also suggests Catalyst was a sad boy. Um <laughs> <laughs> Listen, all poets are emo. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's that's like a prerequisite. Um, so as we went over before, I, she was part of a longstanding pre-existing tradition um, on Lesbos, incredibly famous for its music and poetry. Um, her work includes some of the earliest, like, despite being part of this long tradition, she did have, like, certain innovations to the style. Uh, and one of them was... Uh, like one of the she's like one of the earliest Greek poets to adopt the lyric I. Uh, like Homer would have written as a narrator. He's just Im- mm-hmm. he's a conduit of the divine muse and he's imparting this story to you that he has nothing to do with. And <laughs> Sappho's poetry, a lot of it is I am saying this. Like I, 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 I like sweet like slender Aphrodite has overcome me with longing right. for a girl. Uh, well, she's so that's a muse. So exactly. she doesn't need to talk through one. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That's an amazing point. Um. <laughs> um, it, it makes sense to me that like, you know, she wouldn't be the first who wrote in this style or whatever, but that she would have both the the position, like the popularity, the, the ability to be known as an aristocrat, and also the accessibility in her writing to popularize this style. Mm-hmm. Like, that happens in modern times, too, where, like, you know, there will be innovators, and then there are those people who take those innovations and make them accessible to, like, wide audiences. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, like, doing the lyric eye thing is super interesting because it allowed her to explore individual identity in a way that most poets really hadn't. So, mm. like, that's, I think that's part of why the whole, like, her love poetry is so, in, like, enduring. And so mm-hmm. intimate because right. it's about me and you or right. me and a girl. <laughs> exactly. And it also, like, but that also kind of complicates matters because sometimes she's clearly writing as herself. There's a few poems where she directly uses her own name. Um, mm. But sometimes it seems more like she's taking the point of view of a historical figure or a figure from uh, ancient myth and, like, writing as them. So, And sometimes mm. in the fragments, they're so small that you kind of can't tell. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but she gets very into personal emotion, desire, jealousy, love. Um, and she also liked to adopt and reinterpret existing imagery from epic poetry, especially Homer, uh, into her own work. So there's, like, reference to a rosy-fingered moon that uh, reflects Homer's use of rosy-fingered dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's also no like the reason that we know she was an aristocrat also is that like okay she could she could read and write and disseminate her works and was performing at festivals so from all of that you could kind of guess that she was aristocracy but she also wrote in a 
tradition called uh, the elite, elite or elite uh, ideological mm, tradition, yeah. which was very, it, it valued luxury and high birth. So uh, these poets would identify themselves with uh, the world of mythology and gods and heroes kind of feeling like, well, we're, we're the aristocracy, so we're kind of the new take on all of these <laughs> figures. Like, we're occupying the same sphere. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> right, yeah. But it does make for more dramatic telling. Yeah. Which she also uses a lot of hyperbole, so that fits into it. Um, but, like, she's got lines, I think it's fragment two, where she has Aphrodite uh, pour, pour into golden cups nectar lavishly mingled with joys. Uh, <laughs> and in uh, the Tithonus poem, which is, like, the oldest known one that we have, uh, just in terms of its record, uh, she explicitly states that I love the finer things. <laughs> mm. So it, it definitely Okay. Yeah. On the one hand, uh eat the rich. On the other hand, good for her. <laughs> I mean, the ancient world, it's the the wealth gap was probably not quite as bad as it is now because they didn't I'd, I'd have as much so. they didn't have as much access to wealth <laughs> in general. Uh rich people are fine in fiction or if they're long enough ago that they can't have actively hurt our society. <laughs> Yeah, she's not like super yacht rich. They didn't have that. Like they had boats. She had boats like good thing. chairs and nice food. Yeah, she had like the like those nice lead cups. Um, yeah, <laughs> or like she had an education. earrings. Yeah, an education. <laughs> that was kind of the big one. <laughs> so we can we can forgive her for being rich because at least she was literate and talented. Gay and gay. <laughs> So, of course, since she's so in the past, and since there's so little left of her work, uh, it's kind of hard for literary critics now reading any translations to get a lot of, like, the subtle nuances or the context. Right, because the context is not there. (laughs) Right. So they'll look at contemporary poets, um, especially Elchias, uh, and, like, just what's known about the time. They're constantly updating what they know with whatever's been uh, studied or conjectured from the archaeological record, because that's always changing. Um, So historically, her work has been thought uh, to be very vivid, obviously very skilled, uh, but kind of spontaneous, like not really, not with a lot of training behind it, not with a lot Mm. of intention behind it. She's just writing as she would have spoken and happens to be incredibly well spoken. (laughs) Uh, More, a a newer school of thought that's kind of been looking at her works in more context, I is more of the opinion that her work was very well-trained and Mm. that any sense of spontaneity or uh, naivety in a lot of her works uh, is actually a sophisticated deployment of a a, uh, Greek rhetorical tradition um, Mm. and that she like very heavily crafted it to feel spontaneous, which... You know, it could that could go either way, but right. a skilled writer can do that. So, so 
uh, your first description reminds me of like Emily Dickinson, where it's just like, this is all of my deeply personal thoughts and none of it has anything to do with what the rest of you are doing. I, I would kind of fall into the other camp, probably the, the second camp, given that she is like part of a tradition rather than kind of coming up with her own thing, whole cloth like Dickinson. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of inclined that way myself. Um sorry, but also my, my I don't... brain just my brain just thought like Emily Dickinson, there is literally a show about her. There needs to be a similar vibe show about <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I would be super down for that. But also it should be a musical because like she wrote songs. Yeah, make, I make would it a love show. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> like it's uh, it would be especially fun because her family was kind of sloppy apparently. <laughs> just based on what we know. <gasps> like Oh my yeah. goodness, I okay. want this so bad. So, we were talking <laughs> earlier about I uh, the most recent the most recently discovered fragment of her work was in 2014. They're mm. always finding new stuff one way or another. Um, <laughs> the absolute oldest piece of her work uh, is, it's attested from a few different sources, but the oldest of those sources is like 3rd century BCE, so it would have been like 300 years after her death, which is about as close as any record that we have. Um, mm. And it's called the Tithonus Poem, or the Old Age Poem, uh, because it's sort of framed as an address oh. of an older singer talking to a group of younger women and telling them, hey, your looks are going to fade, but if you train in music, then your voice is going to stay perfect forever. Uh, <laughs> and, and your works will be remembered. And she references Tithonus a couple of times, Tithonus yeah. being uh, in Greek myth, the guy who Dawn was in love with him and goes to Zeus and is like, hey, can you make my boyfriend mm -hmm. immortal? And Zeus is like, bet, done. And then uh, she <laughs> didn't ask... Aging. Yeah, he, she didn't ask oh, for no. eternal youth, so then he just keeps aging into eternity. Ooh. And he turns into like a like a cicada or something. He he becomes something. like a bug. And mm. yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I, I that like is very genie of Zeus. Like <laughs> Yeah. I like to imagine they're still like just happily married, but like he's a bug. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like chill with that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cicada and I'm comfortable with it, okay? <laughs> Yeah, I recognized the name, like, the first time he said Tithonus, and I'm like, oh? Oh, is this mm -hmm. related mm -hmm. to that one thing? Yep, yep, so she's kind of comparing herself to, yeah. Uh, so that. that's, that's like, the, the one that dates the farthest back, and then the one that we have, like, the most recent, like, the one that was found most recently is the Brothers poem. So that was found in 2014. Mm. Um, it's mo it's almost completely intact, but there's definitely at least like one stanza from the beginning missing. Mm. Uh, its provenance is super sketchy, <laughs> in the funniest way possible. Um, Goodness. <laughs> So, like, when it was first announced, uh, the article in which it was announced said that it came from a German officer, uh, which seems to kind of imply World War II looting oh boy. spoils. Oh. Yeah. The art... I will preface all of this by saying, actually, uh, the art dealing world is kind of like the mafia. It's a <laughs> lot more dirty dealing than you would think. I like I had a t I had a history teacher in college who told us about uh, like the coolest thing he ever did in school was uh, smug basically smuggling a manuscript for one of his professors. <laughs> like Dear he God. was just yeah he was like a mule. It was one of those like it's 
you just drop off the suitcase oh and don't goodness. exchange words with this guy. Yeah, it's all very sketchy. Um, so there was the there was the German officer thing, and then there was like they talked to the guy who had obtained this piece of papyrus, and he was like, "No, no, 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 no! It wasn't a World War II German whatever. It was actually uh, part of paper mache, essentially." Oh my goodness! In a tomb, because they would make these funerary masks out of basically an old style of paper mache, and then they would just use whatever paper was around. So you can actually find records in this paper mache stuff if you get it. But then like that wasn't quite adding up. Uh, And then there was a Turkish collector who came forward to be like, oh, yeah, no, my family's had it for at least a century, and I just sold it to this dude. Uh, There's theories that it was stolen from the Egyptian trash pit at some point during its Mm. excavation, Uh, and another theory that it was smuggled out of Egypt during the Arab Spring Uprisings of 2011. So, no one's quite sure where it came from. Uh, But it does appear to be an archaic, like, a genuine archaic record that would have come from Lesbos. Uh, They are, this could be a situation of a poem being written as someone pretending to be Sappho of, like, Sappho in X situation fanfiction. Right. Uh, But it also mentions two of her brothers, and it's very consistent, especially with one of them, with uh, how her relationship with her brothers is interpreted. Hmm. So it's, so far, most scholars seem to be tentatively accepting of the fact that it is a genuine Sappho poem. Uh, The overall story behind the poem is basically that she's telling someone off it's like a direct address to someone. It, they're not sure who. There's a lot of con- there's like eleven possibilities, uh, and a lot of points, a lot of like valid points about like is it a man? Is it a woman? Is it her mother? Is it her hmm. brother's wife or girlfriend? Uh, but basically, she's telling someone off because this person keeps saying that uh, her oldest brother is going to come home safe soon from this journey he's on. And she's hmm. saying, like, hey, uh, that's that's up to the fucking gods t- to decide. Uh, you got to stop saying it like that. And then it kind of has a turn where she's t- thinking about her youngest brother and being like, please, please reach your age of majority soon. I am so sick of dealing with the <laughs> oldest one because her oldest brother was widely considered like kind of irresponsible. There's a whole thing <laughs> with a heteri. I... Like, who was basically the Greek equivalent of, like, a geisha. Um, They were, like, Thracian women who were highly educated and kind of courtesans, but, like, more than courtesans. Uh, And he had, like, this whole drama with one that's been partly mythologized. And it's possible that she's the person being addressed in this poem. Again, we don't know. But, yeah, it's basically Sappho saying, like, oh, God, this fucking idiot just... <laughs> I'm not saying I don't want him. Di- I'm not saying die on the way home. I'm just saying I want the younger one to grow up faster. 
<laughs> and like she would have been a teenager at this time assuming Ovid's right about her father dying when she was seven then her brother would probably be like 12-ish at this point the younger one uh, so she would have also been a teenager during the writing or, or like at least when this poem's supposed to be taking place in her life <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's like a whole it's a whole thing um, but it is widely like they mostly think that it, she's writing as herself uh, so that one's fun. That's the most recent <laughs> one that we have. Uh, and the only complete poem of hers that we have is the Ode to Aphrodite. This is one of like four where she actually uses her own name. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like seven, it's seven verses of the sapphic meter. Uh, it was preserved primarily by like a scholar in the era of like Octavian Augustus um, mm. in its entirety. And that's how it survived this long. Uh there's some it was like the first poem in the first of the eight books of her collected works which is kind of weird because the first word in the poem isn't in alphabetical order while the rest of the collection is like in alphabetical order based on the first letter of the first word of each poem Hmm. but this one is always first for some reason even though it's out of order here's the thing Different sources of this poem use a different word for the first word. They're all related words, but they're all slightly different. So Mm. in some translations, you've got... uh, And they kept writing out the word in Greek, like like Greek letters. So I don't know what any of these say. (laughs) But basically, the word that it uses could be uh, one that's like... It could either mean, like, many-colored or, in a more metaphorical sense, like, diverse or complex or subtle. Um, And the other possibility uh, can mean, like, like the actual word that it's, like, a compound of means uh, chair. So, like, we've got fucking... One second. (laughs) I just have to look (laughs) back at my notes because it's so fucking confusing. Okay, so it's one of two compounds of the same word. The other, like, the word itself means, okay, the word itself means many-colored, meta- or metaphorically diverse, complex, or subtle, and then the respective compounds either refer to a chair or to the mind. Oh! So the corresponding readings would either be Aphrodite of the many-colored throne or Aphrodite of the subtle or the complex mind. And then there's another possible interpretation based on, like, a different pronunciation where it could mean, like, uh, embroidered flowers, in which case it would mean Aphrodite of the woven flowers. And no one's sure which one's right. Translating is hard in the first place, and then they gotta do this stuff. Yeah, yeah, translating poetry is just across the board incredibly Mm. difficult. Uh, But that poem is written in the form of a prayer to Aphrodite. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's real gay. Love it. It's real gay. It's real gay. Um, And it follows a three-part structure of ancient Greek hymns, where it starts with an invocation where she's like, yo, Aphrodite. Um, and is like, hey, I like yo, Aphrodite. I'm I'm sad about a girl, and <laughs> then there's a narrative section where Aphrodite rolls up and is like, girl, what's wrong this time? Oh, it's another girl. What do <gasps> oh you know? Oh my goodness, I loved that. Where Aphrodite? <laughs> yeah. What what is it in the the translation that we have is by Julia Dun- Dubnoff, uh, Sappho, who is doing <laughs> you wrong? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
rapidly they came, and you, O blessed goddess, a smile on your immortal face, asked what had happened this time. Why did I call again? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Right? Isn't it fucking great? <laughs> and, then, and then she kind of tells Sappho, like, babe, don't even worry about it. This girl that you're in love with, eventually she's going to start chasing you. You just got to be patient. And then it <laughs> ends with a uh, final request to the god where she's like, okay, but just like, just help me out. Help me out in love all of the time, please. Uh, <laughs> which like, she just said she's going to help you. But okay, yeah. useless lesbian. I get it. Um, <laughs> in, in this Sappho historical drama, she's just going to be buds with Aphrodite. Like, she's just, yeah, that's that's just her <laughs> homegirl. Like, just, hey, I, I, I need another girl to like fall in love with me. Can you help me out? I'm sad. <laughs> I'm sad. <laughs> I really do love the phrasing of like, what is it this time? Yeah. <laughs> and there's like, so there's like some scholarly controversy as to how the tone of this poem is meant to be taken and different translations will reflect that. So this translation definitely reflects the more comedic take, which is this is something that's meant to be performed for friends uh, and it's meant mm. to be a little bit lighthearted. Just mm. it's a, a lesbian talking to other lesbians, if you will, about <laughs> uh, being a useless lesbian. Or it's it can be taken to be more genuinely solemn of like, I'm actually heartbroken and miserable, please help. But I really <laughs> like the funnier version, this because it, it feels more, the funny version feels right to me somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So those are, those are kind of the three big ones that I touched on because they're, they're the ones that are of note and have the most kind of known about them or the most to work with. Uh, right. But a lot of her works are like a couple stanzas. Some of them are almost complete and then there will be something infuriating missing. Some of them are <laughs> one word. Like I said, the trash, <laughs> pit, the trash pit in Egypt, they're finding pieces of paper the size of cornflakes. So they're doing what they can. Uh, some of the shortest ones we have here are Eros, Giver of Pain. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yep. like, I you can that. still feel what she's going for. Yeah. <laughs> the goddess of I love desire is the giver of and pain. I crave. <laughs> <laughs> she's incredibly relatable, even in just little sound bites. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, like, it's fun that the Ode to Aphrodite is being the most complete poem, also the one that uh, is one of the main basis for people thinking, I'm pretty sure this lesbian's a lesbian. Because uh, <laughs> again, you're dealing with translations. So like yeah, yeah. gendered words aren't always, don't always have the same contexts in other languages. The gender roles and relationships don't always have the same context in other mm. uh, cultures. So there's a lot to talk about there. Mm. Uh, but in the Ode to Aphrodite, this is one of the ones where she refers to herself by name, so it's definitely Sappho herself, mm. uh, and she's using a word that is distinctly feminine. So, mm. like, that reading is currently standard, uh, and it was first suggested in, like, 1835 by this guy, uh, Theodore Burgick, who's, I definitely didn't pronounce that right, but <laughs> he's a German philologist, so, like, a ancient language studier um mm. but it wasn't really accepted until like the 1960s that no in a lot of these poems sappho is for sure talking about ladies <laughs> so let's get in 
to the sexuality thing. Here's, here's what I've got. All so right. Sappho's, complex. <laughs> Sappho's poetry was admired in the ancient world. Her character as a person wasn't always quite as well regarded. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> a lot of the ancient Romans thought of her uh, as being either just extremely lustful or homosexual too. Um, like they were like, if she's not gay, she's at least horny and we can't be having that. <laughs> Um, and boy, howdy, read Sappho's uh, fragments, they're horny. Uh, so, like, Horace called her Mascula Sappho, uh, in one of his works. Um, a later, uh, writer commented that this was either because she was famous for her poetry, in which men more often excel, or because she is maligned for having been a tribad, which is a Latin term for women who scissor uh like specifically (laughs) it refers to scissoring had to look that up (laughs) so by like the third century ce like the difference between her literary reputation and her moral reputation as a woman were so like significant that there were suggestions that there were two sapphos Oh like my there were goodness. two famous ancient women named Sappho, and one was a poet, and one was like a like a hooker. <laughs> the, yeah, the problem is that her poetry is so good because she's gay and horny. You cannot separate the two. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Unless you're an ancient Roman and don't think that women <laughs> get horny. Uh, so that's. That's the first bit of fuckery. That's kind of where that... I mean, it definitely started with the Athenians and those plays. I guarantee it. But <laughs> this is where this is where it starts getting into the historical record. Um, so, like, despite... There, wa- there is, like, a long-standing belief that kind of comes out of the Renaissance that most of her work was destroyed by the church in the medieval period, um, like, in big public burnings uh, for their supposed immorality. It, that's... There's not really a whole lot of records to support that specific view, Uh, Mm -hmm. and kind of the more likely culprits would have been linguistics and paper access, because, again, she was writing in the Aeolian dialect, which was a lesser-known Greek dialect, Mm. and by the time you get to, like, the medieval period and, like, the late Roman period, Greek was widely spoken, but we're talking Attic Greek, which was mainland Greek, not not that weird lesbian island shit. (laughs) So... You would have these very learned scholars reading the ancient poets, and they get to Sappho, and it's basically unintelligible because it's not the Greek they're used to, mm-hmm. right? And but like, you, it's not like now where if if it's like, oh well, it's a different dialect, I shouldn't malign that. I should go and educate myself about this other dialect. It, that's not an option here. Like, unless you want to go to Lesbos and learn that form of Greek. So, right. as time goes by, papyrus falls out of fashion. Now, like, we don't have scrolls anymore. We have codices, which are, like, books, essentially. We're using mm-hmm. parchment. This is sheepskin. You, like, so you gotta kill a whole ass sheep to get any. So it's not <laughs> super sustainable. There's not a whole lot around. And if you're going to be recording anything, once again, what are you going to be recording? The stuff that you really, really, really need to remember, like taxes. Mm. 
Right. Or like, it, like you'll remember your scientists, you'll remember like your astronomers and all of that. You might even remember some of your poets, but if you've got this poet from prehistory who is writing in a form of Greek that you can't read, right? And you if only it's... have, and you you have limited real estate. It's not going to take priority for recording mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and it was primarily oral in the first place, wasn't mm-hmm. it? So you just kind of figure that that's either going to take care of itself or it won't. <laughs> exactly. So there's, like, is it impossible that some of her works were destroyed historically for being gay or just horny? Yeah, sure. It's it's completely impossible. It's completely possible, but... It happens all the time, but not necessarily the yeah, biggest issue here. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily, like, a big public burning, like, hey, we're burning... Sa-, like, fuck Sappho specifically, we're burning <laughs> Sappho's work in the public square. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's... It, like I said, it's uh, at the beginning of this recording, like, it's not as bad as you, uh, as you go in thinking. Um, right. But it is very upsetting for us, because we we want more. <laughs> She's cool. I want more sad gay poems. Right. But there's also evidence to support that her work would have survived like well into like the seventh century, which was longer than a lot of her contemporaries, a lot of other popular poets. And we still have quite a bit of it compared to a lot of those guys. Right. So it kind of came back to being uh, like, it kind of became, it was rediscovered in Mm. like like the 16th century. And this is where people start translating her work again, what they still have of it at this point. And this is where you start getting a lot of controversy over how it's translated. So (laughs) the Ode to Aphrodite was translated by a guy called Ambrose Phillips in the 16th century. He was a poet and a politician and a scholar. He did speak Greek. Um, But he's responsible for the English language translation, like the earliest one of the Ode to Aphrodite. And he uses a male, you know, he makes the subject of the poem male where it would have been female based on her language. And that interpretation persisted until well into the 20th century. Interestingly, Uh. Ambrose Phillips was widely hated by his contemporaries. Uh, Like, Jonathan Swift was one of them. Oh my goodness. I was about to make a joke, like, of course Ambrose would do that. Yeah, (laughs) no, they really, they all hated him. Like... (laughs) He wrote pastoral poetry, which was basically, like, rich boys talking about how nice the countryside is because they don't have to work there. So they would, like, write poems in his style, making fun of his poetry and him personally. They coined the term namby-pamby to refer to him. Oh, I love that. Right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. That is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Just... Just Ambrose. I was gonna roast him, but it sounds like it's happened enough. Oh yeah, it, no. If you've been roasted by Jonathan Swift, you're done. <laughs> it's you've you've been roasted sufficiently. No one else needs to weigh in. It's it, stop, stop. He's already dead. Um, so you go forward a little bit more. You start getting more and more translations, and you've got you've still got these scholars, they keep finding, they keep finding these, these feminine words in these poems in really weird contexts, and they can't, they can't account (laughs) for it. Friedrich Gottlieb, uh, Welker, uh, in the 17th century, is arguing that her feelings for other women are entirely idealistic and non-sensual. His student, this guy, (laughs) Carl Offrey Mueller, uh, is agreeing with him, 
uh, like, he reads Fragment 31, which is one of the gayer ones, and says, oh, this is clearly nothing but a friendly affection. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the 20th century, Glenn Most, who's uh, a cla- like a respected classicist, comments that, quote, one wonders what language Sappho would have used to describe her feelings if they had been one if they had been one of a sexual excitement uh, if this theory was correct because damn fragment 31 is horny. <laughs> no, they're just gals being pals. I don't know what you're talking about. Like just a couple of gals being pals. Imagine reading Sappho's poetry and saying it was non-sensual. It just, it's, the level of (laughs) denial is really, really amazing. She's just the original, like, censored gay. I think, I think that's Mm -hmm. the trueness. It's not that she's the original lesbian. She's the original censored gay person. She was such a trailblazer in so (laughs) many areas, you know? Like, let me see if I can find Fragment 31, because really, goddamn... Um, I think it was in the, the list that we had. Uh, yeah, I just don't well, know if I it would be called 31 and it wasn't 31. the right one. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was right on the Bianca page. Oh, yeah. Okay. And this is actually the one that Catalyst uh, based his love poem about his lover on. He seems like the god's equal, the man, whoever he is, who takes his seat so close across from you and listens raptly to your lilting voice. The lovely laughter which, as it wafts by, sets the heart in my ribcage fluttering as soon as I glance at you a moment, I can't say a thing. And my tongue stiffens into silence, thin flames underneath my skin, prickle and spark, a rush of blood uh, booms in my ears, and then my eyes go dark and sweat pours coldly over me and all my body shakes, suddenly sallower than summer grass, and death I fear and feel is very near. Gals being pals! Just gals being pals. I love Haley just reading smut. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Like... Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like, okay, I I don't want to brand myself in this way, but it it reads like fan fiction. Like when people are writing (laughs) hyper intimate, like that's how you describe arousal. Sappho just got to it first. She was just the first person who was like, you know what? I'm horny. (laughs) Yeah. And everyone was like, damn. Honestly, (laughs) like, uh, I'll tell on myself, too. Uh, I think that the uh, fanfiction community, especially the queer fanfiction community, writes better romance than most published writers of romance. hundred percent. Yeah. If you want to read actual good horny stuff, you gotta look through Archive of Our Own. (laughs) You know, I am absolutely convinced. I don't know if either of you have seen Our Flag Means Death yet. Um, I haven't. I need to see it so bad. I'm guessing... Like, I'm not giving you spoilers by telling you it's no. got some gay shit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Figured that out. That was the first I'm, thing I heard about it. Based on the way, like, just the way the story unfolds and the way that specifically the love story unfolds, I am absolutely convinced that at least a few people in that writer's room have their background in fanfiction. Gay fanfiction, mm. specifically. I And I'm so glad that that style because it is like a style that Mm -hmm. kind of arose in a specific community Mm -hmm. and now I think is moving out as those people grow older and enter like professional writing spaces and I think that that's so exciting because that style of storytelling really is like highly intimate and uh, very relationship focused and Mm -hmm. it's it's really exciting I I can't remember it was some it was one it was some thread you know you can never find a thread once you've seen <laughs> yeah. it but someone was kind of discussing uh 
how they I think it was a woman who was a lesbian had never been in a relationship with a man and someone was asking how do you write uh, a heterosexual relationship as well as you do this might have actually been an article um <laughs> I don't know it's somewhere someone will call me out uh but she's basically saying like I I don't I don't try to write like from the perspective of a man or anything like that I just think about the things that I find attractive, the very specific things, instead of falling back on the, the accepted tropes, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, heterosexual romance in in art has, it's like shorthand. You don't even need to try. Exactly. It's, it's like, gotten to the point where yeah. it's just boring because uh, you're not saying anything anymore. You're just right. like, okay, well, we have this and this and this, and that means... Attraction. Yeah. Like, oh, my heart is beating fast and your <laughs> eyes are good and I like your hair and you're sexy. Whereas, like, queer queer shit is like Sappho. Queer shit is <laughs> like, and then my, my eyes went dark and I can't deal with this and I, I'm, I'm I think feeling I'm going hot to and die. cold. And, <laughs> exactly. It's... It's just more, I don't know, it's more free form. It's, yeah. It, it, mm. There's it, there's more to say. And uh, it's that's part of why you look at Sappho, it's hard to believe that anyone would have read it as just gals being pals. It's like, oh, you've never <laughs> met a woman, huh? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> yep. Um, so there was another uh, theory to kind of combat or defend Sappho from accusations, quote unquote, of mm. homosexuality, <laughs> which was this idea of Sappho as schoolmistress, where she's, it's a theory from like the early 20th century, where okay. it's like she had, uh, she was a teacher of uh, music and poetry to classes of young women. And when she's referring to mm -hmm. girls or her girls, or uh, like speaking with such affection, she's actually talking about her students. I do not want a teacher to talk about their students like no, this. No, that's, <laughs> no, that's no, 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 that no. is the very next point on the Wikipedia page <laughs> where it's like even if you like even if she was educating uh, students, even if some of these are about students, not all of them are clearly, <laughs> especially not thirty-one. Uh, and like there is some evidence to suggest that she would have done some training been involved with a like group of like a study group or something like a book group just people reading reading their work to each other like a yeah. like a creative writing class but <laughs> a, a teacher she's a, she's an aristocrat it doesn't seem likely there's no mention of it anywhere in her works so but that was another one that was just scrambling to make her straight <laughs> uh, so it was yeah. Yeah, no, David David Campbell, who's a professor of Greek and Roman studies at Victoria University, um, who's another modern translator of her works, uh, responded to that theory and was basically like, yeah, there's just no evidence <laughs> for that. Like, maybe she was presiding over some women, but not, not but in a formal But if they were young sense. girls, then that's a little upsetting. No, that's weird. That's weird. <laughs> and it's... It just even even if they're students, it's 
Mm, you know, yeah. the, okay, the Greeks were weird and they did things like that. It was usually yeah, men yeah. who had relationships that were like an older man and a younger man. Yeah, and it, boy, and like that's say. right, and that like that's kind of where some of the confusion with uh, her maybe daughter comes from because like yeah, she's right. met, like this name is mentioned in like two poems, and so but like the word that she uses pronoun wise is a word that could mean young like could mean child or young woman in the same sense that in a uh, pederast. Greek relationship, yeah. <laughs> uh, they would have referred to the younger party right. at, at, in similar terms. But it's also one of those things where the word could could genuinely just mean child, and her phrasing, again, seems to suggest literally just her daughter. But it's also like three lines, so... Who knows? Who literally Who knows? knows? But no, <laughs> she was... It's widely agreed that she was almost definitely for sure gay, at least, or, or like gay attracted by something to attracted yeah. to women and had sapphic. relationships with them yeah <laughs> sapphic sapphic <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's why we like that term so yeah that's sappho that's we, we've gotten to the end of my 10 pages of notes <laughs> i love that that was literally so much fun um <laughs> Maybe I like history now. Um, what yeah, what like, I like, I like thinking about like how we really do know so little, but the reputation is legendary. Yeah. <laughs> Just I, the fact penis guy from Man Island. I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry, Haley. Is this Even like, if that's enough from her, it's just yeah. so funny. Is is this not like as fun as like that my immortal shit that you did, where it's just like we only have so much to go on here, and but there's so much <laughs> going it's, on. You know, it wasn't a super different uh, experience. Um, exactly, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was definitely, I definitely kept going down a rabbit hole of, like, there was this, there's this source that says X, Y, Z, and then this source that fully refutes it, Uh, but also it might have been, but also it's not, but also who knows. (laughs) But that, my immortal, that, that traumatized me in a way that this didn't. (laughs) (laughs) It's the my immortal episode. There's a lot going on there. (laughs) It's the My Immortal episode um, on the restricted section. Hopefully, sometime around when this episode comes out, actually. Yeah, They're putting I'm them on the main feed. I'm so happy. Yeah, yeah. I'm supposed oh, I'm to so look excited. over the transcript for that. Oh, boy. Christina wanted me to double check. It was so good. So now because I have to once relive again, it. Once again, you were just like talking like so much and just going off, and it was great. It's wonderful. <laughs> Uh, it's a shame I don't like crowds. I could have been I could have been respectable as a teacher. Who's I don't know about good, but there would have been, the weird kids would have liked me. Well, we're all the weird kids here. I think that a that's our vibe. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I guess this is gonna be near the end of the episode. Uh, um, Haley. Do you have um, anywhere people you'd like people to find you? Um. Uh, if if you must, you can find me on Twitter at the writ to wit. Uh, sometimes I make completely nonsensical nonsensical jokes uh, every once in a while. And uh, you can also hear more of my dulcet tones uh, over at the restricted section and the movie night crew podcasts. 
Uh, and if you're listening to this in real time as it comes out, go check out uh, the My Immortal episode that is dropping soon, if it hasn't already, uh, where you can hear me do a lot of what I just did here, uh, but while yeah. slowly descending into madness over <laughs> the more. legendary <laughs> fanfiction My Immortal. <laughs> so wonderful it was great I, I i mean what about it what about it was wonderful was it wonderful for you i'm glad yeah <laughs> oh boy am i excited for that oh it's a lot it was a lot i had so many notes um do you have any um media that you've been um enjoying lately anything honestly watching, I, I i mean i just said it but our flag means death uh it's yes. on hbo max unfortunately Good. it's hard to find um but i mean it's it's taiko Waititi's involved in the project he yep. plays blackbeard and he's entirely too hot to be allowed <laughs> uh, everyone on that writing team is definitely a bisexual just based on how they i love it introduces character like it's we're talking we're talking aragorn in the prancing pony vibes uh, yeah somebody like i I get to that episode and my immediate thought was like, oh, somebody sat down in like a round table brainstorming thing. Like, how do we introduce this character? What's the sexiest thing we can all think of? And everyone, everyone in the room definitely said Aragorn's introduction in uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Oh my god. It's that kind of vibe. But it's also (sighs) like fun and silly. If you've seen Good Omens, which is based on the. Uh, uh, I was just about to say that, like, I just watched a couple episodes of Good Omens because one of my roommates never finished it. My god, I love looking at gay people. I'm so excited to watch our flag meets. <laughs> yeah, it has a very similar like comedic style and it's good. Like it's really funny, but it's also really sweet. It's like just in genuine moments. There are going to be moments where you'll just be clutching your chest and almost in tears. I was watching it with uh, Christina and Leela who are also regulars on a uh, restricted section and movie night crew and Leela was kind of staring at me the whole time cuz she knows how I feel about most romantic media stuff because most romantic media stuff is straight shit and this is gay yeah. shit and it's told like gay shit god damn it just I love that it's so good it's so fucking good I I I apparently I need to like move that up on my list of things to watch um Ray is is, is your plug good omens then or did you have like another plug uh, it could be Good Omens. Uh, I don't know. I've been listening to some, uh, city pop recently. Uh, j- Japanese 80s music. It's really good. <laughs> Alright. Interesting. <laughs> based, listening- on, based on those two things alone, Ray, you have amazing taste. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> they do. Did, did you ever watch Yu Yu Hakusho, that anime? I remember <laughs> it. I didn't watch it all the way through, but I, my okay, sister was but so But the opening it. song is, like, so good. <laughs> okay, all right. I, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Those those are the vibes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyways, yeah. I, I'm, I love that. Amazing. Um... Well, my plug, what what was I going to plug? Oh yeah. Um the new Hulu movie Crush. If y'all have like heard of it, I is, haven't it, watched it yet. Is gay? Is pretty fucking gay. <laughs> um and like what the love interest is is the girl who plays Moana? Um oh, so like I love All that. Right. I love that. Good for her. Yeah. Like it was so cute. My goodness. I was enjoying it so much. I mean, there was, you know, the some of the awkward, like, things that I'm just like, 
Sometimes when things are actually set in this time, I I feel like some things get awkward and weird. Mm. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Mm. But yeah, very good love story. Um, I just... I can't speak about it. I'm just gonna gush because I thought it was like really cute. It had some of like the good gay tropes. There was only one bed. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> like I don't want to say more, but like God, good shit, good shit. Um, um, not to like <laughs> monopolize because I've got like three now. But uh, <laughs> my roommates and I watched Heartstopper. Uh, Oh my god, I've heard of that. I've heard it's good. Right. It's an adaptation of a comic. And Mm -hmm. it, you know... (laughs) And so it has queer webcomic vibes. You know, it's just about two guys in high school who... (laughs) I don't know, they get together they hold hands and we were all like yes we were like cheering i like lost my voice i just love it when people are allowed to be gay did either of you ever see uh, i am not okay with this yes i didn't watch it i'm so mad uh, there's not there uh, wasn't a season I'm two so grumpy because it ends on such a cliffhanger <laughs> yeah, it's another no. one it's, oh, that it's based on a webcomic and it mm. also has those kind of based on a webcomic vibes and is also explicitly gay Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> I also just love that actress who's in it. Um, mm. yeah, she was also in like an adaptation of like Nancy Drew that like nobody watched, but like that movie had a lot of gay vibes too. Just it, Nancy Drew is like a I, gay skater there is girl. Eight <laughs> was okay. the vibe. That might be the one that it. uh Teddy always watches. That's like one of their comfort movies. <laughs> I ha- wait. I. I- in my queer server, I was like, "Hey y'all, we're gonna watch this movie," and like that was that that was the vibes. I wa- I watched it. I think with like um my other friend Ray, um and who else was there? There were other people there. It was fun. It was a good time. I like that movie. Well, anyways, there's a whole <laughs> slew of gay things for you to watch. I I bet if you're listening to this, you enjoy that. Man, yeah, it's you probably all must be most of these, but it's nice things. having options these days, huh? Yeah. Right? Man. Oh my goodness. Remember That's exciting. When, uh, God, remember the most anyone could get away with was uh Korasami at the end of Legend of Korra and that like game look. it was it was it was so like two women going into a beam of light to explore a new world you know? with the sky and the colors of the bi flag <laughs> and like that was it's it might feel subtle if you're that used to the way the things gays- are now. That wasn't even the gayest was... moment they had in that season. The gayer <laughs> but moment was still when... lost their minds. The yeah, gayest yeah. moment was when Asami commented on Korra's hair, and Korra was, like, blushing wildly. And I was like, oh, Korasami is, like, gonna be canon this season, apparently. Mm. That was when I realized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's so... I don't know. I was able to experience, like, going from only being queer-baited into actually this can happen. Mm-hmm. No, there's there's a moment, I don't want to give anything away, but there is a moment in Our Flag Means Death where a character sees what is going on between two other characters and as if to himself goes, oh my god, this is happening. And it's <laughs> like clearly a character stand-in moment of like, oh, so this is happening. Amazing. Good. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's an extremely relatable moment. Um, real quick before we end the pod, I'd also like to plug, um, our Patreon bonus up for Pride Month, where Ray and I talked about the Epic of Gilgamesh. Um, 
It Let's was it. You know the original gay story. That's what it is. Mm. They're soulmates. They're, yeah, they're soulmates. We, we talk about them holding hands a lot. That's oh. basically yeah. the episode. Big beefy yeah, men holding, holding hands, hands. sharing <laughs> beds. Yep, <laughs> traversing the underworld, <laughs> looking for your dead boyfriend's dreams. soul. You know, the huge. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, that that is that is all, folks. Um. Y'all need to get out of my fucking cabin so I can cry over these gay poems now. <laughs> well, fine. I'm going to go cry over myself in my own cabin. You can follow the podcast socials at of the eldest gods pod on Instagram and at of the eldest gods on Twitter. You can send an iris message to us through of the eldest gods pod at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us financially, go to patreon.com slash of the eldest gods. By becoming a patron, you can join the Movie Night Crew Network server, where you get to chat with us and hear some no-context spoilers about episodes we are recording. I personally recommend the $5 tier, where you get access to Against All Odds, our bonus show where we talk about basically anything vaguely related to mythology, Percy Jackson, or whatever we like. We also have a merch store on TeePublic, where all our designs are made by Charlie. Or if you cannot support us financially, please give us a review on iTunes and rate us on Spotify to help others know how much you love this podcast. You can follow me, Ray, at HeyHeyRay on Twitter. I also have another podcast called Barbie Movie Slap, where my co-hosts Ted and I talk about the Barbie cinematic universe. You can check out that podcast Twitter at Barbie Slaps. You can follow me, Charlie, at GreenPixie12 on most platforms, but on Twitter, I'm at GreenPixie123, which I'm totally not salty about. I also have an art Instagram that I sometimes use at GreenPixieDraws. I sometimes do the YouTube thing on my channel, Charlie Mac, that's M-A-C-K. And I also have another podcast on the network called Fandoms Gone Wrong, where my mom and I talk about movies, TV shows, books, whatever other fandoms we enjoy. You can find that on all the major podcasts podcasting apps. Our music was written by Isabel Strauss-Riggs and recorded and edited by Ian M. Riggs. You can find Izzy at Kane underscore I, that's I is in the body part, on Instagram and Twitter. She also currently makes video essays on the YouTube channel Kane I. Feel free to message her about making music for your project or editing your podcast. Of the Eldest Gods is proud to be part of the Movie Night Crew Network which features great podcasts like My Cabbages, an Avatar podcast that follows the true hero of the Avatar The Last Airbender series, The Cabbage Cart Guy. Coffee. Tea. Honor. Cabbage. Long ago, the four elements lived in harmony. Then, shit went totally cray when the Avatar attacked. Only the Cabbage Man merchant of fine cruciferous vegetables could stand against his trolling. But when the world needed some dank veg, he vanished. Ten years have passed, and my partner and I have started a new podcast. My Cabbages! An Avatar podcast. A weekly show about Avatar The Last Airbender. Whether it's Sokka's new line of cologne. Hey, look at you, sitting there on a seal. Well, now look back at me. I'm on on an even bigger seal. Now look away. D&D related antics. You have to make an acrobatics check for that. And Aang just like unzips his pants and whips out his d20s. He's just like, I got this. Or randomly breaking into song. <laughs> Slow, go, 
Bending waterfall. We'll stumble our way through the greatest show ever made, one episode at a time. You can reach us at CabbageCast, which is our Twitter, or subscribe wherever you catch pod. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? Of the Eldest Gods is based on the series by Rick Riordan. Right now we are discussing Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Remember to follow us on your favorite podcatcher and meet us back here every Thursday. Charlie, I was going to like read some more stuff and take some more notes, but then I was thinking about uh, <laughs> Little Wonders, and then I was like, can I play that on the guitar? It turns out I can. Just so you know, that's information that you have now. That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network.